0: This is Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 101, The Mental Health Crisis, Saving Lives Through Honest Conversations, with our guest, Mona Cooley. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab. This is Greg Gazin. Today on our episode, we have a special guest. You may remember her from the last episode, episode 100. It's Mona Cooley. Mona is a family support advocate and founder of Cool Family Solutions. She coaches families to have honest conversations about challenges and difficult situations, whether it be on the subject of mental health, addictions, or other struggles. Mona is also a Toastmaster, a past district governor. On our last episode, we really talked about podcasts and and where the podcast came from and where it's going in the future. But on this episode today, we want to talk about something a little more serious. We want to talk about the subject of mental health. Now, Mona Cooley knows firsthand all about these issues. She's a subject matter expert on it. She's a coach and her family has also had some challenges dealing with mental health. We probably all know someone, perhaps it's in our family, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a colleague, or just someone we know of, or maybe someone that we heard of in the news who's suffering. We just turn on the news today, and we hear, of course, about President Trump, we hear about natural disasters, but we're hearing more and more and more about mental health issues and serious issues that people are having every time we turn on the news. We're hearing about anxiety, we're hearing about depression. Look what's happening to Demi Lovato. Folks, people are dying by suicide. Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, zombie boy, for those of you who might not be aware of who he is, that's Rick Jeunest. He was a muse for Lady Gaga. And even now, they've just discovered that Aaron Moran, who was Joanie on Happy Days, died by suicide. So Mona, first of all, welcome to the show, but really tell us what's going on out there.
1: What's going on out there is lots of people are struggling. We're getting calls of people saying, I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated with how to help my loved one. They either have a mental illness or addiction, or they're just juggling to even have conversation and they're in conflict all the time. That is very tiring and lots of energy taken from people. And it's hard. And the thing is, they don't know what to do. Now, maybe what they've done, and I've heard this many times, is, well, I've tried everything. Well, have we tried everything? That's the thing, is you do the best with the tools that you have. And that's one of the reasons for this conversation, Greg, is there is tools. There is ways to have the hope that people are looking for. But we need to start having conversations. And that's the whole family. One of the things is, is when we do have an, a family member either dealing with a mental illness or, and or addiction, the thing is, it, it figures, well, we fix them, we should be all fine, but we're not. The family has things that they've got to do as well, like our family. Our communication was poor. And if we hadn't changed that, my daughter said it perfectly in the sense with her, when she was struggling with her illness, And she was getting the help and getting the tools she needed. However, if we as the family didn't change our way of approaching her or our communication overall and started working and walking side by side with her, we wouldn't be where we are today, where we can have these conversations. And it isn't pointing a finger at one person in the family. It affects the whole family and everyone is affected. And we all need to change something. As you said, Greg, it's in the news. Everybody is saying it out. There's more talk about it today than I've ever heard.
0: I was reading an article recently online from The Guardian in the UK. It was in early August when they were talking about Zombie Boy. Zombie Boy, of course, was working with Lady Gaga. In the article, it says, Lady Gaga, who cast Jeunesse in her 2011 Born This Way video, wrote on Twitter, and they quote, The suicide of friend Rick Jeunesse, zombie boy, is beyond devastating. We have to work harder to change the culture, bring mental health to the forefront, and erase the stigma that we can't talk about it. If you're suffering, call a friend or family today. We must save each other. So it sounds like what she's saying and what you're saying is that what we need to do, the first thing that we need to do is start a conversation.
1: Yeah, that is perfect. Because what's important is to have that conversation. Lots of times what happens, we may be struggling inside or we have troubles expressing what we're really feeling or nobody else will understand. So they just, you just hibernate or isolate yourself. That is not the answer. We need to get out there and say, I feel horrible today. And they need to talk about what are you feeling horrible about? What is making you so sad? And the families need to listen. Whoever that member is that's supporting a, a person that is having these struggles. There's a word that I use in our, in our sessions, and it's love. L-U-V. Listen. Do more listening than talking. I had to learn that from my own experience with my daughter she told me she's mom you don't listen by the way quit telling me what to do and help me problem solve <laughs> then the other piece was understand did i understand what they say did i reflect back what was said i understand you're very frustrated with your situation yes that's i am frustrated can you tell me more about what you're frustrated about you're using their words Frustrated or what horrible, or whatever word they use, now they feel like somebody's taking the time to listen, but then there's a validation, and this is the other piece is validating. you know, I saw you working very hard at your studies, and things were going really well, and you were managing and coping, but then something changed. is there something? That maybe did change. I know you can do well and you're progressing well. Is there something there? And tie in those type of conversations, you being curious.
0: But these things don't happen overnight. They start probably years before they actually occur. I mean, the people that we made reference to earlier on, they're all adults. But yet, before we got onto the call here, you were telling me that you're getting calls from families that are actually calling you about challenges with young kids very young kids.
1: Yes, I am. Anywhere from eight years up to 12 years old. And those are the struggles, the anxiety and depression. And it, it was in the our papers here in the Herald and Cal- Calgary, there was lots of information about how the anxiety and depression and all of this is coming up. What's happening with these kids and what needs to be done. And what happens is a lot of these stresses keep piling up and piling up and families try to do something and it doesn't work and everybody gets frustrated and nobody's listening. So consequently, the ripple effects right through the whole family. And then we're not all talking. Then we all shut down because it it goes nowhere except into conflict. So we need to start having these conversations with the family and just taking the time. They need your time to hear and have them understood.
0: You know, I'm still keying in on the young kids. You say 8 to 12. I know so many adults that can't express themselves. How can an 8-year-old express him, his or herself? I mean, their their brains are not really fully developed. I mean, yes, kids seem to be smarter today at at 8 or 9 than they were maybe when when I was growing up. But still they're they just they don't have that experience. How can they express themselves?
1: That's hard because adults find it hard to express their feelings, and sometimes they don't know what it is. But it's being aware I share with one mom what was happening was. The mom or the dad or the family, they get fears and they get anxious themselves. And so they're like helicopters swarming over their child. And that child just feels smothered in so many ways. They need some space. And lots of times it's going in and saying, what's happening? Use that phrase. And they may say, well, this is happening. Do you wanna talk about it? No. Then you can turn around and say to them, you don't want to talk about it right now, but you know I'm in the kitchen and if you feel like you want to talk about it, I'm here to listen. Now that may take time. Like you said, Greg, these processes take time and it's practicing and finding what does work. But how do we start those conversations? Just ask what's happening and don't helicopter over them.
0: I guess you need to make them feel comfortable. Comfortable about it because I'm thinking back when I was younger. Of course, I was much more introverted, much more quiet and shy as I am now. Because you know, thinking back, I'd never thought I would be in front of a microphone. But I know if I was in a situation like that, if I said I had a problem or I had a challenge, I mean, it's like be a man, you know, step up, be a man. And you know, I'd feel bad, I'd, I'd feel guilty, I'd feel just like I really wouldn't want to because it would mean that I'm that I'm weak or something.
1: Yeah. And that comes up quite a bit. And lots of times, you know, these kids are whatever is happening with them at school. And here I hear lots of bullying. Well, sometimes that child doesn't want to say that this is happening to them and they don't know how to tell it because they don't want to be the squealer of this whole thing and how is it going to affect them if they do say something to the parents or how are the parents going to react and how are we going to work through all of this? And so you may not even want to talk about it. This is why when you can have conversations when it's not at a critical point, start having the conversations with having either at the dinner table or however you want to do it and just have conversation because when those difficult moments come up and they're feeling more comfortable that we can have that conversation, because sometimes kids don't want to tell their parents because maybe they're going to worry them or they have them concerned or whatever, I'm afraid these kids do read body language, emotions, all of those pieces, and that could be stopping them from having conversations.
0: Well, so they're worried that they're going to make their parents feel bad, not necessarily be mad.
1: Yeah, it is not necessarily being mad at every our approach as an adult. And here I am an adult and I'll take my daughter at the same time when we were dealing with it. My approach was what's how, what's wrong? You know, what's happening or whatever those things are, you kind of do a little pressure because you're nervous about how to try and help this situation. You go in a fix mode. I need to fix this. That's what us moms do. At least this mom did. <laughs> yeah, fix it. Yeah. I want to fix it. Well, let's do this and let's do this. We're not bringing them into the conversation or getting to where they're at. I see you frustrated. You came in the house and you slammed the door and you, I asked you what was happening and you were just saying nothing. And that's what they may say. Well, if you feel like talking about it, I'm out in the kitchen. You don't keep pressure. Well, come on, you got to talk about it. You got to talk about it. No, give them some space. And that's what I mean by space. And eventually they may come and say, well, this is what happened at school today. Or they might just put it out there very gently, but have at least show you're curious and recognizing what is happening. And you can go by how they're, body language and their tones, or how they're doing things. And just be sensitive to that and say, hmm, you slammed the door and everything. Is everything okay? No. Do you want to talk about it? No. And that usually can be it, because, but you've recognized it, and that makes a difference. You may not get the results you want right away, but hey, it may come that you recognized it.
0: I know earlier on offline, before we started our, our recording, you had talked about honest conversations. Is this what you're referring to? Or, or what is that?
1: Yeah, honest conversations. It's those type of things. And, and another part of the honest conversations is this, is saying where you as a parent, or a f- support, however that support is, because it's maybe not always a parent. But the thing is, what I had to learn to do was, I'm feeling frustrated today, because I'm not sure how to help you. It seems that you're frustrated and I'm not sure what I need to do different. And that's putting it back that you are aware that you're not sure what to do and you're being honest about it because actually they can read you anyway that you're frustrated that you can't figure this out. But at least if you say that honestly of where you're at, they just might say Oh, maybe I can say something where I'm frustrated or whatever. Just like when my daughter said, Mom, you don't listen and by the way, quit telling me what to do and help me problem solve. She was so frustrated. If she hadn't said that to me, Greg, I'd still be talking. And we likely wouldn't be in a good position today because of that. That made me stop in my tracks.
0: And I can imagine if someone is very young, they may not have the wherewithal to say something like
1: that. no. No, they don't. What happens is anger comes out or they, you know, they're just blasting out frustrations to them and and stomping and everything else. And the parent doesn't know what to do with all of that. Their way of telling you if it's outbursts or anger, there's something inside that they feel, but they don't know how else to put it across to you. And it's taking that time to sit down in a calm way and just, you know, I see that you're very frustrated and anger, angry today. Is there something that we need to do to work through this? We, rather than them, because they might feel like they're alone dealing with this.
0: Having conversations are nice, but will they really save lives?
1: You know what, Greg? Uh, that's an interesting statement that you said. I had a mom that came to group and her daughter had attempted suicide. And then at group she came and she was frustrated, she was in tears and and she just didn't know what to do. So we started teaching her the tools and communication and how to approach her daughter without being that helicopter that I mentioned earlier. Teaching her those tools of how to approach it made a difference. One night she came to group and she was very anxious. And we asked, you seem very anxious tonight. What's, what's happening? I'm nervous that my daughter is going to do a second attempt. And so we talked about the safety factor and the things that she could do. And the, tool, and the tools were that trust her intuition, do what she needed to do, and they did get to her and she did have the note in her hand. Wow. That was stopped, and it was sitting down and them having that conversation after that, but the mom was learning those tools and how to have some conversation so their daughter could talk about it. That whole thing was a turnaround, and it was just one step at a time, but it was very, very important.
0: Wow, that's just sending some shivers down my spine. It just goes to show you how powerful words can be. I mean, we hear it in speeches, but yet here's a situation where words made the, made the difference between breathing and not breathing.
1: Exactly. And I, I want to give you the flip side of that. As time has gone on the, with the mom and the daughter and the family, it's a total turnaround in their conversation. And that was huge. Because she was trusting. And this same mom and daughter did a video. I asked them if they would do a video because of their story and how they turned around their situation dramatically. And the mom was willing, but we weren't sure if the daughter was going to. And I said it was okay. The daughter said because of the help that she got, she was willing to talk. And she did a video. That's how far this girl came.
0: Yeah, just like Lady Gaga said, erase the stigma that we can't talk about it.
1: Exactly. This was a 14-year-old that was talking at this time. Wow. Like I said, I was in awe of the daughter and how they shared and what they shared and how they poured out where it all stemmed back and what was happening between them. And the word trust came up, that the daughter wasn't trusting the situation that she could have those conversations. Or even talk or say or whatever. Lots of times we react to situations. You know, you get tired, you're not taking care of yourself, and you've had a bad day at work, and somebody's trying to tell you something, and you you snap or you get frustrated, and away you go. So they shut down. So there's lots of things that play into all of this. I am so grateful today, Greg, that we learned very quickly in the onset when our daughter had a manic episode which was, was so out of control, her reality was out of control, and taking her to the hospital. And we were told, you can talk to this person who's living it. We grappled onto that right away and turned around and learned from that person. And she took the time to talk to the, everybody. It made such a huge difference. But if I hadn't reached out, if we hadn't have listened to what somebody else has lived through and what what they did differently, we wouldn't be having this conversation right? Uh, likely.
0: So as you were saying earlier, and also the theme of our topic today, start early, start at home, that makes a lot of sense. At the same time, what happens if people don't have anyone at home? What do they do?
1: Well, you know, sometimes you have friends. I I was talking to somebody today and this individual was struggling and and what they did. And I, I usually ask when they're sharing with me, because when I share my story, lots of times I get somebody to walk up to me and talk to me because they feel that they can connect. And having that said lots of times, and this gal said, I reached out to my friend I have a friend that I can go and talk to her about anything and we can have that. And so it's sometimes it's a friend, maybe it's an extended family member. It can be anybody, but just to have somebody that they can connect to, you know, my daughter wasn't connecting to me too well as a mom, but if she could reach out to somebody else, which you know, she did in with her friends, she had friends that were listening to her, but. And I wasn't doing a good job at that point, but at least they're reaching out. So sometimes it's just not the family, but it can be a friend.
0: So Mona, as I sit here listening to what you're saying and talking about, you know, reaching out to individuals, reaching out to families, I'm sitting here in front of a microphone and I'm thinking... Are we talking face-to-face conversation? Do we reach out using technology or is, is technology even a culprit? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Is it causing our, some of the challenges or it's, is it something that can help us?
1: Greg, technology is, has some negativity. People are glued to their devices. They're reaching out to Google for all their answers to their problems. Texting, people have their perspective of what is said or meant on their texts to each other. People are not talking face-to-face and having these conversations so that any of these perspectives that I mentioned, that you can get clarity if you're wondering what the other person is saying and you're having that conversation between each other.
0: That's probably true, but for some people, perhaps some of the millennials or the iGen, the Gen Zs, for them using technology, they might be introverted. They're comfortable with technology. Perhaps technology could be a start for them to start having a conversation just to sort of put it out there that perhaps they need some help or they want to talk.
1: Yes, you're right in that because texting is maybe somehow somebody will reach out and says, can we have a conversation about what you say? They might say that. There's Zoom. I use Zoom in our business because people are reaching out from all over. This not just in Calgary, it's all over. And now Zoom brings us all together face-to-face, voice-to-voice, and we can have these conversations and it makes it easier for people or even Skype. Those are the things that are making a difference.
0: And that's, uh, that's very true. It's bringing the families together because sometimes it's just virtually impossible for them to be in the same place and they're able to do that and still see themselves and still see themselves over the screens using uh, technology. You know, we're thinking about technology eliminates any of the geographic boundaries, but at the same time, mental illness itself doesn't seem to have any boundaries. It doesn't seem to discriminate. We've been talking about all
1: different types of people. It affects all walks of life, Great children, adults, professions, cultures, and education. It affects everyone.
0: Okay, well, I'm sure it might be almost impossible to totally save the world, but I I keep coming back to the quote earlier that we talked about Lady Gaga when she said, let's save each other. There's got to be something that we can do.
1: There is, Greg. You know, the other day, I was at a business network meeting, and the speaker was speaking on the topic of people having their purpose in life. And also what happened in that whole process was she talked about an individual that she knew died by suicide and her emotions erupted. And this spread out through others in the group. And then all of a sudden other people were saying, I know of someone that died by suicide. We were starting to have a conversation and it was making it easier for people to talk about this and be in this world of where we can have these conversations and connect with each other on this level.
0: This uh, business networking is obviously one way to help start that conversation. But if, if someone is by themselves or they don't know where to start, they don't know who to talk to, they don't know where to go, they don't know where to call, what are some of the other things that they can do? Where are some of the places that they can look for help, for resources?
1: Well, you can call your distress line in your area. You can also reach out to your doctor. And tell them what is going on and what's happening and that you need some help. Or you can reach out to coolfamilysolutions.com forward slash resources. And also, there's also your guidance counselors. Maybe you have some of those, whether in the workplace or a counselor that you maybe know of.
0: Well, that's great, Mona. We'll also put that link in the show notes. Well, Mona, this has been extremely enlightening, very thought-provoking, and I've learned a lot in this process. It's obvious there's a need to make sure that the conversations get started. Could you please leave our listeners with maybe one thought, one message that you'd like them to, to go away with today?
1: The one tip I want to leave with all of you is the acronym that I mentioned earlier, LOVE, L U V. Listen, understand, and validate.
0: It seems to be universal. It's, I was thinking of, in the words of John Lennon and Paul McCartney and the Beatles, all you need is love, L-O-V-E. L-U-V, I guess, would work even better in this particular case.
1: Yes. Greg, for my 70th birthday, I have a wish. I want people to calm the chaos. Stop the suffering. Start sharing and step up and to make a difference. Have an honest and healthy conversations. Please, start at home. Start now. You might just save a life.
0: Mona Cooley, it's been an absolute honor.
1: Thank you, Greg. I appreciate this opportunity to share and have this conversation that we've had today. It's meant a lot to me.
0: Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings, plus also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, This short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at OutsmartingTheButterflies.com.